0: It's just so good to be here with you this morning. Before I, I do anything, I thought, you know, uh, we are going to talk about spiritual warfare. But, you know, I, 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 was, uh, I was thinking about a story that I read the other day. And there's a lady and a guy, this guy is on this plane. He's going overseas and sitting next to this attractive lady. And he looks and he turns to her and he goes, can I ask you a question? She goes, well, sure. She goes, uh, he goes, what do you look for in men? And she goes, well, you know, I've really never had anybody really ask me that. But when I think about it, I, I like American Indians because they were swift on their feet. And he said, oh, that's good to know. And he said, well, also I like, I like rich men. In fact, I like Jewish men because they're good with money. And he said, well, that, that, that's, that's good. And he goes, with, you know. But there's another guy, kind of guy I like, too. It's like, I like cowboys, and they have gun racks in the back of their truck, and, you know, they're just kind of rugged and all that kind of stuff. And she said, those are the kind of guys I like. And he goes, well, that's, that's good to know. And she goes, by the way, <clears throat> can I ask you, what is your name? And he goes, oh, yeah, my name is Geronimo Ghosting, but most people just call me Bubba. Yeah. Anyway. For some of you, you'll get it later. Can you turn on the lights just a little bit? I want to see some faces. I don't want to just, can we just bring them? There you go. Is that all right? That's just better for me. I feel like I'm just uh, sharing in the dark. But you know, this morning, as I, as I come this morning, uh, I believe that we're all in a war. How many of you believe that a lot of Christians are just unaware of the warfare that we face in our world? I mean, I'm talking about and so what I want to do is I want to read a very familiar portion of Scripture, and it's in Ephesians. And what I want to do is what I really want to accomplish by the time I'm done with this message is that you know that God has given you weapons, and as Christians we can fight with the weapons God has given us. How many you believe that would be a good thing? And sometimes people just are unaware of the things that are around them. So what I want to do is I want to read starting verse, uh, uh, verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. And it says, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. In other words, all throughout the Bible, when you look at the Bible, it says this many times, Be strong in the Lord. And also, I believe that I know that God wants us to be strong in Him, but I believe this. I believe that the enemy has a whiteboard, and He's constantly looking and scheming, seeing where He can get us tripped up. And He's trying to figure out ways to get us to a point where we get discouraged, we get down, or we find ourselves in a circumstance and we just go, I just don't know how to get out of this. I don't know what I'm doing here. And so, our struggle is not against your boss, it's not against your spouse, it's not against Donald Trump, it's not against the NFL. I believe there's a whole nother realm that we're experiencing right now, and I believe that many of us know that realm. And it, so the Bible says this. It ends at that portion it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. To stand. It's not as if it's coming. But when either I've heard this way, either you're in a battle, you're coming out of a battle or you're getting ready for another battle to come. I mean, I'm talking about we all face situations. We all face circumstances. And I believe that what would it look like if we just start winning some battles? Wouldn't that be good? And so what I want to do is I want to talk to you. There's a verse that encourages me to talk about this. It's in Ephesians five eleven, And it says something like this. It says, have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. In other words, what I would like to do this morning, if the devil was taking a shower this morning, didn't know we were looking, and I pulled back the curtain and he just went, ah! You know what I mean? I want to expose his schemes. I want to expose the, the issues that he deals could you know i believe that many times people open themselves up to things that they don't deal with when you dabble in darkness you could watch you can play video games you can open up yourself to darkness you can watch tv and there's things that you can open yourself in darkness there's there's people that you hang out with and you can open yourself to darkness and don't realize i believe this when you play with darkness you don't realize what can happen in your life it's like my friend from Nigeria said, the devil, he's, he's wicked, he's mean, he's evil, he's vile. But he said, if you put your finger in the, if the devil puts his finger in your mouth and begins to play with it, he will put not just one finger, but two, and then eventually he'll get a whole handful and take you places where you don't want to go. How I many of you have been on the travel channel and you've opened yourself up to things and you ended up places you didn't feel like you would ever be or dreamed you would ever be there and with the people you're hanging with? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm at, am I in the right church? OK, and so what happens is the one thing that we have as Christians, we have we have teeth and what we need to do, we need to bite the devil's hand right off. Yeah. Amen. And so what has to happen is. <coughs> Excuse me, I've been fighting with a call, but today I'm going to expose the devil and who he really is. The devil is real. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? You know, I'm not you know, the devil's not a symbol of evil. He's not a, a metaphor. He's not some cosmic force. He's a fallen angel. If you look in the Bible, there's three archangels. There's Michael, who was the war angel. There was Gabriel, who was the messenger angel. And there was Lucifer, who said they said that his body was a musical instrument and he led worship. And so what he did, if you know the story, they all resided in heaven. An event took place that Lucifer was cast out of heaven. Many scholars believe that happened between Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1 and verse 2. You can go read the account in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. If you want to go read the account of what took place in that war, you can go read it for yourself. But in the New Testament, Jesus had laid hands on the 72 and he sent them out. What happened is they came back and they began to report, God, in your name, Jesus, man, we began to see things happen. We, be, we prayed for people. People were healed. We began to cast demons out. And God began, You and, and, and this is what Jesus said, yes. He told them, "I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. When God decided to fight, there wasn't a power struggle. I've watched videos and I've seen, the, oh, you know, where the God's wrestling with the devil or Jesus is, and they're they're wrestling, and the devil's giving him, you know, you know, uh, kidney punches, and the Lord's kind of, you know, rubbing his head and all that. Let me let me just say, let me just say this: there's no fight." The bottom line for everything is is this. It it would be like me walking in the ring with McGregor, thank you, son, with McGregor or Mayweather, It'd be a two-hit fight. I would walk in the ring, they would hit me, and I would hit the floor, and that would be the end of the fight. Amen? And so to think that, you know, you have the almighty God, that something was created by him, that somehow that he could put a struggle up with the mighty God, come on. You see, I believe this. Revelations here, it gives an account. Revelations 12 says there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But there was, they were not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down that the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray, he was hurled to earth and his angels with him. This is... This is where they're operating right now. John says he's the ruler of the world. 2 Corinthians said he's the God of this age. Ephesians says he's the prince of the power of the air. In 1 John it says the whole earth lies under the sway of the wicked one. The devil is at war with us. In other words, just because you don't believe it doesn't, it doesn't make it go away. The best gift I can give you this morning is to make you aware of what's going on around us. All right? And so 1 Peter says, be, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion, roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith. The enemy prowls around, looking, at, looking to try to take you out. Let me just say this. How many of you have ever been to the Acadiana Zoo or the Ottoman Zoo? Let me, say, let me tell you something. If you go look at the lion in any of those zoos, they look pitiful. They got flies around them, they're skinny and they're... Can I tell you something? I go to Africa at least once or twice a year. I've seen African lions. They are not pitiful. In other words, what happens is what a lion does, it looks for the weak moment when you're not aware. They are prowling. They're looking. They're looking for opportunity. They're looking when you're not aware. They're looking for a weak area. They're looking for a weak spot. And that's how the enemy is. He's prowling, looking... For that area of weakness or that vulnerability in your life whatever you open up, whatever you see but I believe this, is that Matthew 4 Look at remember Jesus, he fasted for 40 days and the enemy comes to him and offers him bread how many of you know if you hadn't eaten in 40 days bread might sound like a good thing but see what happened, he was born in a city called bread and he was called the bread of life himself he had been on something that, was, that, that the physical couldn't give him. And so many times we sell out of things that are right there, that are opportune. And Jesus is, uses the word of God against him. He said, man will not be, live by bread alone, but by the word proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, I believe this for every one of us is that, you know, that God is your source. He is your strength. The Bible says, David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you taste and see how good God is, when you've had experience, when you've been delivered from whatever you've been delivered from. I'm not here to give you a list, but you know what? You, most of us just needed to be delivered from ourselves. Come on. And most of us tried our best and look where it got us. It didn't get us very far. That was our best. And see, when I look at this, I, I think, how much, you know, the devil has power. How much? Can a Christian be possessed? Not bad people. Can a Christian be possessed? I don't think they can. <coughs> Once the spirit of God, and the depth <clears throat> once the spirit of God comes in you, he will not share room with the enemy at the same time. You can still be harassed, you can still be oppressed. Uh, in fact, um, Psalms 9-9, which I've been meditating on last week when I was in England, God just gave me that word. He says, "The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble." That doesn't mean just because you serve God doesn't mean you won't face hard times doesn't mean that you won't face the enemy coming and trying to oppress you or put you down come on how many of you know what i'm talking about am i in the right church okay i just want to make sure i'm waiting for a hanky to be pulled down and say I surrender or something i don't know but the most important thing for every one of us is ephesians says that in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the enemy a foothold all of us, that, okay, let, let me, let's do a survey. How many of you in this room have ever sinned? We've all sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. In other words, all of us sin, but we don't have to stay in sin. You leave the door open when you leave the sin unresolved. It's like if you go to bed at night. I have an uncle, he he celebrated his 65th wedding anniversary. And he said, and and people asked him, he says, what's your secret to you and Dolly being married for 65 years, a World War II vet? He just went on to be with the Lord about three months ago. My favorite uncle, my dad's oldest brother. And he said, well, it's, it's easy. We believed in commitments. And the second thing we committed to, we would never go to bed angry. Never once. Now, we stayed up for five days, but we never went to bed angry. Some of you will get that. But see, what happens is, when you give the, let let me, if you go to bed, if you're married, and you go to bed angry at night, and you don't resolve it, I believe that you open yourself for a root of bitterness to take place in your heart. If you you do think, because you can wake up the next morning going, man, you stink. They never stunk before. But because you opened yourself, the enemy harassed you over at night. Come on. Man, you were like a beach whale moving in the bed last night. My gosh, you know, Attila the Hun, what's, what's up with you? I mean, and it's all of a sudden you become mean and you, become, you begin to walk in the flesh and you say things. And, and what happens is, for many of us, is that when we do that, you know what? We open ourselves up for that. See, the devil's subject to our God. 1 John says, you dear children, are you from God and have overcome them? Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. In other words, this is the best news on the planet. So much of what Tracy and my wife and I deal with, we treat as spiritual. Now, let me tell you a few things I'm not saying. I don't blame the devil on everything that goes wrong. If I run out of gas, I don't blame the Chevron devil. I blame myself because I didn't go get gasoline. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so, you know, I don't think we're going to... I think what's going on in America, what's going on in the world, I believe it's spiritual and not natural. The Bible says we're in a fight and you need to learn how to fight. And see, 2 Corinthians says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. In other words, on the contrary, they are divine. uh, They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Here's what that scripture is saying. It's assuming that we're actually taking the posture to fight. And what some people do is like, let me just say this. You can't leave your Bible on your nightstand and think that you're going to have power because you look at your Bible. What needs to happen is you need to open up your Bible and get in your Bible and begin to allow the Bible to begin to speak to you. It's like this. I I, all I am is a reflection of what I hang out with. Amen? That's all you are. You're just a reflection of what you do and what you put in your life. And see, it assumes you're fighting. And so what it's saying is strongholds any lie that the devil keeps you trapped in, into slavery. That's what a stronghold. You feel like you can't get out. Well, your mama had that. Your papa had that. They were from this side of the bayou, so that's where you're going to be. All them boudros are like that. How many of you know I'm talking about? We blame things. How many of you, you, know, how many of you know that we, there are generational curses? You can find them passed down. People that have things that have been alcohol or, or, or drugs or, or, or just immorality or whatever or, or sexual things. And it's been passed down from one generation to the next. But I believe this is you come to know the Lord and God begins to do something in your heart and you yield to him. All of a sudden, that very thing, that generational curse is broken over your life, and over your children's lives. How many of you can believe that? And see, I believe this. That's breaking strongholds at the enemy or lies. And see, what happens is we demolish them. We cast them down. There's a part of your Christianity that's confrontational with the enemy. Don't be afraid. And so what I want to do, I just want to help you fight. Is that all right? Okay? And so here it is. What are the weapons, and how do we use them? I'm going to give you three weapons, and I'm not being long. And then we're gonna be done, and I'm gonna I'm tie a bow on this, and I'm gonna pray God do something in your own heart. You know, the first weapon is the name of Jesus. Say it with me, say the name of Jesus. We intentionally sang songs today boasting about the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name! What a powerful name! You know, there's other names that are powerful, cancer's a powerful name. Debt's a powerful name. Addiction is a powerful name. Depression is a powerful name. Poverty is a powerful name. But i got good news for you. In Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. And in that name, Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. In my house, I have one daughter. We have five sons. Now, 3 uh, I'm trying to figure out how many are out of the house. Three of them are out of the house. But if I tell my little girl, who's 12 years old, and said, hey, Olivia, go tell the boys that dinner is ready. She comes back, dad, they heard me, but they didn't respond. And this is what I'll say. Go tell them, Daddy said it's time to come and sit down and eat with the rest of the family. Because there's a name above all other names in the McCann household. And it's called Daddy. Amen? And so what happens is is that for many of us, everyone (coughs) who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what Romans says. And here's what I say. Use his name. You use his name, call his name, sing his name, pray his name. Have you ever been in a situation where it was hard and you're about to get in a wreck and all of a sudden his name comes out you start going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You call on the name. And see, are you, you're praying to God in the Father, in the name of Jesus. So what I want to do this morning, I want to pray a prayer over this church. I want to pray a prayer over your lives. I want to pray a prayer of things that maybe that's come against you. And I want to pray in the name of Jesus that you would realize the power of what his name does to be an overcomer. Is that all right? I'm not asking permission. I'm going to pray anyway. Okay, and so here, here's a prayer. So let's just bow our heads and maybe you lift your hands to heaven right now. And you're going to receive this prayer as God speaking to you and God bringing deliverance in your area. Oh, maybe strongholds, maybe some release. So Heavenly Father, we just bow down with praise and worship before you this morning. I surrender myself and this church completely, unreservedly, in every area of our life. We take a stand against the enemy and resist all the endeavors of Satan and his wicked spirits to rob us of your will, God. So in the name of Jesus, I take authority over bitterness, over unforgiveness, over resentment, over hate, malice, envy, jealousy, insecurity, fear, rejection, self-pity, self-hate, anger, Rage, murder, violence, sexual immorality, impurity, adultery, fornication, and lust, pornography, pride, lying spirits, rebellion, deception, manipulation, control, criticism, judgmentalism, arrogance, prejudice, racism, greed, materialism, selfishness, covetousness, depression, anxiety. Worry, suicide, addiction, alcoholism, drunkenness, obesity, false doctrine, stealing, laziness, humiliation, witchcraft, blasphemy, sickness, and disease, and chronic health. I declare in the name of Jesus is higher than all of these. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. It's His authority. Not ours, we proclaim it. We say, in your name, Jesus, in your name. I can't do this on my own. In my weakness, when I call out to your name, you're able to give me strength. You're able to give me faith to believe what things that I cannot see. That, God, you can deliver me from areas that I just tried on my own. But in your strength, you give me the ability what I cannot do in myself. The second weapon is this. So the first weapon is the name of what? Come on, y'all learning. The second is the Word of God. The Word. You know what? I like Bibles because they have pages. And I'm not here to, if you have your electronic Bible, God bless you. But I like having pages that I can ruffle, that I can write notes in. It doesn't matter how much your Bible is marked up, it's matter if God's marked your life with His Word. David said, You are my portion. You know, the thing out Hebrew says, for the word of God is alive and active, and it's sharper than any two edged sword. A sword is an offensive weapon, it's the only offensive weapon in the armor of God. In fact, Ephesians 6, the last the, 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 the three verses after the first that I read, it says, verse 14 says, Stead firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Why do we wear belts? So your jaws won't fall. Okay, that we put that we we put the breast, and then when it says it says in, and and it says with the breastplate of righteousness, in place. Righteousness means righteousness means right choices. How many made a lot of bad choices before you knew the Lord? All of a sudden, you put on the breastplate of righteousness and go, God, help me to make the right choices I need to make. God, I put on your your breastplate. And it says this, and it says, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That my feet are ready. Sometimes the enemy comes at me, and sometimes I just need to run. I need to be like Joseph. I need to run. There's other times I need to run to him. There are other times I need to run away from the opportunity that the enemy tries to put in my life. And see, and he says, and you put in addition additional take up. The shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. How many know the Bible says, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind? How many had some stinking thinking? Come on. Sometimes I can read my Bible and the worst thoughts come to my mind. Y'all pray for me. But, you know, sometimes I go, you know, I'm not going to allow those things to control what God I'm telling, I know that you want to do in my life. And he says, "In the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus responded when the enemy came to him with the word of God. The Bible isn't some nice little thought. It's a weapon. And we need to treat it like that. You see, Luke says it like this. I have been given authority and power over the enemy and nothing shall harm me. You know, the one thing I love about the Bible, I read it every day. I read my Bible every day. I read between five and ten chapters a day. Go, wow, that's impressive. That's... No, it's not because I, I have to. It's because I'm in love. And when you're in love with someone, you don't, you'll advertise what you're in love with. Then when you got engaged, ah. y'all don't seem excited. We need to pray for marriages here. But the reality, when you fall in love with someone, you can't hold it in. And think, think about it. You say, well, you know, Pastor Bob, I read the word, but sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Sometimes I don't feel like it, but I have a thing called discipline that I'll get up and I'll just go, no matter what I feel like, my marriage is not based on how I feel. Thank God. So what I, I get in, it's kind of like, you ever watch the original Karate Kid with Mr. Miyagi? Come on. You remember that? And Daniel's son gets mad at Mr. Miyagi. He goes, y'all, Yo, you, you're using me. I've been waxing your cars, uh, cleaning your deck. He's doing all this thing. No, you tell me, wax on, wax off. And look at you, I mean, you're using me, Mr. Miyagi. He's mad. And remember Mr. Miyagi kind of trying to give him a revelation why he was giving him wax on, wax off. Remember that? And he goes, Daniel's son. And he puts his arm, and he goes, wax on. And he goes, Watch off, And see, sometimes in the spirit, when you're disciplining yourself in the word of God, the enemy comes at you because you have the word of God in you. When the enemies come, it's kind of like, lock on, lock off, because it's inside of you. Are you getting with me? And for many of us, we don't feel it, we don't see it, but what happens is it becomes activated when you begin to face a war with the enemy. I'm telling you, when you do, God is there to help you because the Bible says, David said, I hid your word in my heart. I hid your word in my heart, God, so I wouldn't sin against you. The Bible says, those that love me will keep my commands. That means means the mark of a Christian is not coming to church on Sunday. The mark of a Christian is obedience to the voice of God. Thanks for all those amens. So I believe this. You need to read it. You need to learn it. Use it. So the first weapon is the name of? And the second weapon is? The word of God. And the final one is this. The power of the cross. Or you could say the blood of Jesus. The power of the cross. The ultimate defeat of the enemy was the cross. Most people think the cross was just to pay for our sins, which it was. Anybody got a set of keys? Come on, anybody got a set of keys that I can borrow? Hey, Megan, give me, throw them up here. Come on, good catch. I'm driving away with, what is this, a Ford? A Chrysler? Okay, I'm, I got a Chrysler now. Thank you, Megan. These are keys and they unlock things. They give power to things. And so what we know is between Friday and Sunday, they put Jesus on, on the they they beat Jesus. They gave him they gave him 40 lashes on Friday. They plucked his beard on Friday. They hit him and say prophesy who hit you. They force a crown of thorns on his head on Friday. In fact, on Friday, the religious guys, the Pharisees, and the teachers and the lawyers thought, you know what? We finally put this movement to an end. Because if we destroy the leader, all his followers are astray, because we've seen this kind of thing happen before. But see, that was Friday, but they didn't know what was coming on a Sunday. Because that was on Friday. Friday, they thought, you know, we've done it, but Sunday was coming. Say when we Sunday coming. See, Friday, they thought, you know what, this is it. We put the end of this Jesus thing. But they didn't realize what was happening on Sunday because between Friday and Sunday, Jesus went to hell, hell and he took away the keys or the authority from the enemy of hell, death, and the grave. In fact, when he took them, I believe he pimp slapped the devil. Amen. Stay there, stay there. I'm a good throw. She's a good catch, too. Y'all give it up for Megan, all right? He took back. See, what the enemy had taken, he thought that he had, that he won. Jesus took back. He was my sacrifice. He took on my sin. He took on your sin. Why? Because the Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross for you and for me. Pastor Bubba, I'm not worthy. No, you don't have to be worthy. He died for you. He proved his love that while you were doing your own thing, while you were partying, while you were chinking-y-chinking with everybody else, like many of us, while we were thinking we were all this to all that, you know? I mean, God came with his compassion, with his love, with his forgiveness, and said, I'm going to take back with the enemy. what people put a never on you, God never put a never on anybody ever. Only people do. God never puts a never on people. And he took that. And see, I believe this revelation says, I am he who lives. I was dead and behold, I live forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and death. I believe when Jesus said that in revelations, Jesus amened himself. Amen. Jesus controls your eternal destiny. Anything the devil throws at you, Jesus is already one. Here, let me look at me. I want you to hear me. And I want you to understand: we don't fight for victory; we fight from victory for what Jesus has done for us. Are you hearing me? Some people, well, I got to get the victory. No, no, He's already won the victory. We fight from His victory. Are you getting with? Are you getting the picture? We fight from His victory. That you know, it's it's not me anymore. It's Him that lives inside of me. Revelations and they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not count their life as dear unto themselves. When I walked through cancer and I had the diagnosis seven years ago and it spread to stage four and gave me 21 months to live, that scripture became real to me. I said, you know what? The same Jesus that rescued me 37 years ago, that saved me from myself, hanging out at McKinley Street in Lafayette, hanging out the bar, the keg, Mother's Mantle, thinking I was God's gift to women, thinking I was all this, had lots of money, had my own place at a young age, and had everything going, but on the inside, I was miserable. I was filled with pain and emptiness." Emptiness. And I came to that place where I said, God, I bow my knee. I trust you from this day forward. I'm not going to live for myself. I want to honor you. I want to please you from this day forward. And the same God that rescued me is the same God has touched my body. They t- gave me 21 months to live. That's seven years ago. Thank you, God. That's all I got to say. Doesn't mean that I don't face battles. Doesn't mean I don't face things. Can I just tell you this? No matter what you face, he promised, he says, Baba, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And see, and he says, and by the word of their testimony, what does that mean? Wouldn't it be great if the Lord would give you like a, like a pre-test kind of announcement that you were fixing to go through a test? You know, kind of like the weather thing, this is only a test. This is only a test of the eternal broadcasting system. You will feel like giving up. The devil's coming at you, but this is only a test. Beep! Wouldn't it be great? But it don't happen that way. So what happens, sometimes you just feel like you get sucker punched. Where did that come from? How did that happen? Why are they mad at me? Why did the boss say that? Why did, you know, come on. You know what, I believe this. A testimony is just saying I faced the test and God got me through the test. You have a story to tell. Just say your testimony. You know what your testimony is. I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm transformed. I'm blessed. You say, Pastor Bob, you don't know what I'm going through. In fact, you don't know what it's like living in Crowley. I kind of do. My grandkids live here. My son and Claire live here. You know, I've, I've prayed for this city for many, many years. I thought God was going to send me to this city to start our churches. But God sent me to Jennings. And I always wanted to go here. And then, you know, when, when, when the opportunity came, we felt like I was going to come. Then I thought, you know what? I'll send the best that I have. I'll send my son. See, Romans says it like, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Say I me. Mean, say trouble. Or persecuted or hungry or desolate. You know, right now in, a, in the world, there are more people that are dying right now in this period of time that's ever died for the cause of Christ. That are being persecuted in China, in the Middle East, in Syria, Iraq, Iran. There are literally people, reports of people, Jesus appearing to people in parts of Iran and speak to them to go meet someone. And they come and they 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 meet that person. They lead them to, to Jesus. I mean, it's amazing. And in danger and threat of death and all these things. I love what it says. We are more than conquerors. No matter what we face. See, American Christianity says it like this. Just live comfortable and live well. Come to church on Sunday and everything will be fine. But when you look at the Bible, it says you may face battles, but this is how you fight. As your pastor, as your senior pastor, I want you to win. Come on. We, we, we have a mission. We want to populate heaven and depopulate hell. Is that all right? I want to I wanna sucker punch the devil as much as I can. And, and, you know, I want to I wanna punch him. I want to bite him. And if, and if I lose my teeth, I want to gum him to death. So I'll go to heaven. And see, the reality for everyone, when you trust God in difficult times, you know, stumbling, your stumb, our stumbling blocks become stepping stones. When you face your deepest fears, our faith grows because we find God to be faithful. When doubts cloud our minds, it's time to refocus on God's grace, his greatness, and his wisdom. Amen? Amen? I'm done. But here's what I want to challenge you with. How many of you say, Pastor Bubba, I've been in a season, in that season, I feel, like, I, I feel like all hell is broken loose in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand. It doesn't matter if anybody, come on, come on. You've been in a battle. Come on. It's all right. It's all right. You know, sometimes it just feels good to be honest. Come on. It's kind of like when your mama said, did you really do that? No, no, no. Yes. You say, Pastor, but I've been in a battle. And look at me. It's okay. That means you're alive. That means something's happened. The enemy, you're threatening the enemy. He didn't like what's going on in your life. Even if you're searching, if you're looking, it's a battle. See, I've learned in battle, sometimes there's a line drawn and you go, you got to step over the line and say, all right. And God never intended us to battle alone. He intended us to fight together. You know, I've walked with guys now, some of the men in my life that are my pastors or people, my mentors. I've been walking with them for 37 years, some for 25, some for 15 one of the greatest things that's happened to me before you got on the stage is I got on the stage this morning. My son, he knows I've been sick and everything, and he goes, "Dad, I just want to pray for you." And having my son pray for me because I remember the moments when he was a little boy, and I used to pull him in a little red wagon in Tacoma, Washington, and go down the alley, and I used to put my hands on that little bald headed head is, and I'd pray, "Oh God, touch this little boy. Let him love you. Let him honor you. Let him learn to hear your voice." And God's return plan is awesome. Are you hearing me? And see, I believe this. A pastor, you know what a pastor is? A pastor is someone that smells sheep, looks at sheep, and sees the direction that they're going and says, I can't put them over in that field because they're not going to grow properly. Or there's a lesson they need to learn. I need to break that leg and put them around my shoulders and begin to hand feed them so they don't stray anymore. Also, (laughs) sometimes it's looking at people and going, and they ask you questions, you know, I can do this now, I'm older, it doesn't bother me. When I was younger, it would intimidate me. People try to tell you what to do, how to run the church, or what they think, and I'll just look at them, this might not be your church. You might want to find another church. We love you, God bless you. You know me, don't let the back door hit you on the backside, but we love you, God bless you. You might need somewhere else to go. But I'll just say this, if you're looking for a place, people love you, you're looking for a place for people to speak truth, to believe God's greatest for your life, then this can be your home.